Hello, Parkview. This is Thomas Hoke, and I welcome you to the Parkview Groups podcast. We are back for 2023 and 2024. Uh, This episode is for the week of August 21st through 27th, and our goal each week, every week on this podcast is to inform and guide group members and train group leaders and the curious uh, leaders of the future at Parkview to make whole disciples of Jesus. So this week we're learning from Luke 1, verses 1 through 4, and a little bit more over in chapter 19. And then during our training segment, I want to share some thoughts with you from a little book that's actually a sermon uh, that I read this summer called Fighting for Holiness by an old dead guy called J.C. Ryle. So uh, I did want to start a little bit with just some background on what this podcast is. I know I'm certain there will be people who are tuning in who do not know what this is and is new for them, whether you've been in a community group for a long time and this just you haven't hadn't heard about it until now, or maybe you're just brand new to Parkview. That happens every year. So here's what this podcast is all about. First of all, this podcast is for everyone. It's for everyone around Parkview. Uh, That's our intention. It's a chance for you to go deeper into the passage that is being preached in the coming weekend at Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. So uh, each time we have this podcast, we publish this podcast, there are three segments. First, uh, we inform, then we guide, and then we train. So what we mean by that is this. So first, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what's going on around Parkview. Um, I'll do that here in just a moment, tell you about a women's coffee gathering, tell you about uh, a congregational meeting. Some of it's kind of businessy related stuff, but here's what you need to know. Life of the church update, inform. Then guide. So with the guide segment, it's, it's generally 10, 15 minutes. Sometimes we get excited, but we're reading the text that's coming up on the coming Sunday and addressing some of the bigger features of the passage, trying to anticipate any sort of sticky questions, anything that might be confusing um, or frustrating or unusual, uh, and give you just a few thoughts to meditate on throughout the week. So we sort of think of each week of ministry at Parkview like a three-course meal. Uh, Through Jesus's word, what we hope to happen is, let's say you are sort of just a normal Parkview attender, you're serving somewhere, you're you're coming to worship, you're part of a community group, you're doing stuff like this. St- somewhere in the beginning of the week, just like now, you listen to this group's podcast. And that's sort of your your appetizer. Okay? Luke 1, 1 through 4. You're going to we're turning that into a full course, three-course meal. The podcast is the appetizer. You are getting kind of uh, a hint of what's to come. You're getting your belly a little bit filled. Um, but you're you're hearing something about the passage. You're getting it into your brain. You're hearing the whole passage. We always read through the whole passage completely. So it'll be your first sort of exposure to the word. The The spirit starts to work. You're, there's some prayer happening there. Um, and, and you're getting some thoughts in your mind. So that in those in-between moments in your day, uh, you know, dropping one kid off, picking another kid up, or on your way into work, or you're, I don't know, ironing your shirts. That has become a weekly thing for me. You, you pop on this podcast and you're, you're giving it some thought. Um, then after the appetizer comes the sermon. It's Sunday. Uh, we're worshiping Jesus together. And then you hear the, this Luke 1 preached um, at Central or East Campus. And that's our main course. Okay, it's time to feast. Um, uh, the men who are preaching have spent time in the Bible uh, thinking carefully about what the Lord is speaking uh, in particular to the people of Parkview Church. And that's, that's, we think of that, that's the entree, the main course. 
our second big, you know, moment of learning from the Bible together. Then, finally, we get to dessert, and that's our group discussion time. So, you've had the appetizer, you've had the main course, and now we've gotten some of the deeper details out of the way with with the groups podcast. You've we've we've heard the word preached. We've we've asked the Lord. Uh, in a context of worship and community, for the word to go deeper into our hearts in the sermon. Maybe even after the service, you had a chance to to just discuss a little bit with someone that you came with or someone that you met in the in the worship service. And then finally, by the time you get to group discussion, we're not just sort of still talking about the basics of the text, you know, the context and what was going on and, you know, what does that word mean? We've covered most of that. There's a little bit of that. But by the time we get to group discussion, you've been thinking about this. You've heard it multiple times. You've prayed about it. You've started to apply it to yourself. By the time you get to group discussion, it's dessert. It's time for the sweet stuff. It's time for, now, what does this actually mean? And how do we help one another, pray for one another, support one another, and sort of love one another toward what this passage is clearly calling us to, which is something that's become clear in the preceding week through those multiple exposures, that three-course meal with Christ through his word throughout the week. So the group's podcast that you're listening to right now is appetizer time, and we're going to get to that word in just a moment. But So it's for everyone, but it's also it's for leaders. It's uh, This is the way that I help community group leaders stay up to date um, not just with the guide segment, but the training segment. So in the past, we had regular leader training events for group leaders. We discussed books. We prayed together. You know, we'd have a monthly or a bi-monthly roundtable where we talked about issues in disciple making. Um, it was just too much for our leaders. Podcasts are great because they're flexible. They're convenient. Um, when I when I do meet up with group leaders. We have regular coaching meetings with group leaders. Uh, I, I ask what they're learning from the training times on this podcast, but um, it, it just creates a little bit more flexibility with, with our group leaders who are often super committed in a number of different ways. Now, you might be wondering, Thomas, why are you explaining why how this fits into how group leaders work? Well, it's because we need more community group leaders. Uh, we need more community group leaders. So I want you to, to continue listening to the whole the whole episode i know for i generally say at the end of the so we go inform guide and then train i usually say at the end of the guide segment hey you know if you're a group leader keep listening if not you don't have to but if you're curious please continue on i'm going to repeat that because we need more group leaders and if you sense that the lord could be leading you um, to be a group leader i i'm going to keep shooting my shot to to get some of you um, to take a step toward that and uh I, I think I hope you would ask your group leader or a group leader that you know what their experience has been, and I hope they would say um, that being a group leader is uh, lines up well with their calling, that they're well led, well cared for, and that it's it's something that um, they would they would recommend to others. So that does lead me to my last point. So this group podcast it's for everyone to get that three course meal with Christ. It's for leaders to grow without getting overwhelmed. But finally, this podcast is just for whole disciples who want to take the next step with Jesus. That's what we're all about at Parkview. So uh, here's what I hope. Uh, I hope that if you are dedicated to your community group, attending it as much as you can, that's what we hope, that's what we expect. You're reading the sermon passage, you're listening in on this podcast, um, you're getting that three-course meal, and you're dedicated to your group. I feel confident that you will grow in Christ this year. So let's do it. That's what this podcast is all about. I hope it was worth the time for you to rejog your memory and and put this on your weekly to-do list 
as one thing to, that you can do to help yourself really uh, grow in Christ. And I know that your future self will thank you. And uh, just excited for, for Luke in particular as we go through this. One logistical update. So um, normally this time of year we hold a community group kickoff event where we get all the groups together at Central Campus and eat a meal together and we kind of set our agenda for the year. Like what are we doing here? What, what's the point? What, am I, what do I need to grow in this year and really and do that together? That will happen this year, but there's been um, just a need for us to get a little bit of space uh, to be able to put that together. So it's probably going to happen sometime in September, and you will get an email, some kind of communication about that shortly. So community group kickoff is coming, but not, not in August, probably in September. So keep an eye out for that. And with that, Let's move on to the inform segment. So let's remind ourselves first, we say this every week, what are we doing here? Well, community groups make whole disciples by cultivating an environment of relational safety where the spiritual initiative of the group leads to the growth of each member. So what, how can we get involved in ways that would help us do that? Well, first of all, this Saturday, we're going to have our first women's coffee gathering of the semester. It's from 9.30 to 11 in the Central Campus Atrium. So everyone's invited. It'll be a time of worship, of community and teaching, and a sneak peek of upcoming fall Bible studies. So come uh, make some new friends, see some some uh, familiar faces, and find out uh, how you could learn together this fall. Next, our uh, quarterly congregational meeting, our next one is coming up on Monday, September 11th. We are going to vote on some significant changes to the Articles of Incorporation and Bylaws that have been proposed by uh, our elder team. So if you are a member, I would definitely ask you to put that date on your calendar. Um, I would encourage you to review those changes that are going to be made and attend. We, we have some forums scheduled where you can learn more and ask questions about those. Those forums are going to be held this Sunday, the 27th, at, after the 1030 service at both campuses and also on Wednesday, August 30th from 6.30 to 7.30. So there are more details on that on the website and will be linked in the episode notes. But quarterly congregational meeting, Monday, September 11th. Definitely bookmark that date. That didn't make sense. Mark that date. And uh, hopefully we'll see you there, especially if you are a member. We ask that you join us for that. And then finally, we just want to remind you that beginning on September 3rd, our service times are changing to accommodate live preaching at all, all of our services. So Central will gather at 9 and 10.45, so moving that second service back 15 minutes. And our East Campus is going to move up to 10 a.m. So instead of 10.30, but 10 a.m. So keep an eye out for that, and especially if you're inviting people or if you've had kind of a standing invitation with someone, you want to make sure that they're coming at the right time. With that said, let's get into this passage. So our goal with this guide segment is to get the big picture of the passage, to navigate any speed bumps that could disrupt our discussion and give a couple of places to land in application. Something to carry with you through this week and start letting the Spirit do work through the Word to change our hearts, minds, and lives for Christ. So we're in Luke 1, verses 1 through 4. It's a very nice, short uh, passage. This will be the shortest one, I'm sure, of all that we will do in Luke. We'll be, we'll be in Luke for quite a long time. Luke is the longest book in the New Testament. And in fact, people often think of Paul as the most prolific writer in the New Testament, but in fact, it's Luke. Uh, Luke wrote, of course, not only the Gospel of Luke, which is what we're going to be in for the next probably year to two to two and a half years, I would guess, uh, but 
he also wrote the book of Acts, um, which we just completed. So it's nice that we're coming back. It's kind of funny that we're going sort of in reverse order, but we think it'll be really helpful for us as we seek to make whole disciples to learn, love, and live Jesus this year. So having said all that, let me read this passage and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Beginning in verse 1. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. This is the Lord's word. So, what do we have here? This verses 1 through 4 of the Gospel of Luke is what's what's considered sort of a prolegomena. It's a prologue. It's a, an introduction. That's it's, it's not exactly a thesis statement, but it's something that's kind of probably a good analog for us. Luke's point here is to outline what his goal is with this book, what his methods are with this book, what his sources were as he put this book together, and also to sort of situate himself uh, with some precedents for why he's writing this and uh, so forth. So beginning at the beginning. So he says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. So uh, stopping right there, what is he saying? He's saying many others, we, we have an awkward word there, inasmuch as, that's not a word I've used in the last five years, unless I was quoting Luke 1, um, what that means is sort of considering that or in light of, he's saying, I know that many others have also uh, sought to put together an, an account of the life of Jesus, but and I'm joining in that tradition. I'm joining in that group of people who have taken what for for years and years has been a an oral tradition. Remember, this was not this was not a writing society at this point. The world was not. There was no, the printing press was still, you know, 1500 years off or more, 1600 years off into the future. And so when, when information got transmitted, it was generally happened mostly orally. Uh, Many people didn't know how to read and write anyway. Uh, That was true for, for a long time in the early church. Things were transmitted through voice orally. And so what Luke is doing is he wants to write these things down so that future generations like us can know what has happened. So he's saying, I'm joining that. I'm joining that mission to write down the things that happened with Jesus. Now, you notice in verse 1, it says, the things that have been accomplished or fulfilled. If you're reading the NIV or the CSB, it says, the things that have been fulfilled among us. Um, It's a funny sort of turn of phrase, the things that have been accomplished. This is one of those places in the Bible where we see a passive verb, you know, has been accomplished when it's clearly talking about a certain person. It's talking about the things that God accomplished or the things that the Lord fulfilled among us. So what Luke is saying here is, I'm joining that stream of historiography related to the life of Jesus, and I've got, I'm, I have a point to make, and I'm joining those who are doing that um, with full awareness that I'm, I'm part of a community that's doing that. Moving on to verse 2, he says, Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, Again, us going back to verse 1, the group that has sought to put together this history. And here he's talking not about the sort of precedence for this work, but the sources of his information. Uh, what Luke is saying here is that um, he, 
spoke not just with people who heard rumors about Jesus or people who were generally sort of vaguely aware, you know, of what was going on. Um, you often sometimes read news stories that that are clearly not really news stories. There weren't actual interviews done. You know, you, you go on certain websites and it's clear they're just getting their facts from other people or other news websites. He says, that's not what I'm doing. He's saying, I went, I spoke with the eyewitnesses and those who ministered the word. Specifically, you see what he says? He says, eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Um, this word eyewitnesses, it's used uh, a couple of places in the New Testament, and it means just what it says. Those who saw Jesus, uh, both as he taught and as he led, and those and, and those who saw him after he was resurrected. That's how it's used. And ministers means servants or um yeah, servants is the main context. You'd hear that. So he's talking to people who saw Jesus and who spoke and taught the word of Jesus, meaning the gospel, and delivered them to us. So his sources are these reliable people who had firsthand um, knowledge, firsthand experience of who Jesus was. He's not sort of going through digests and edits and trying to pull together something without doing real research. Then in verse 3, he moves on to his method. So he says, It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So uh, you notice there it says, It seemed good to me also. It's important uh, that, to note that what Luke is not saying, he's not saying, I've read all the others. I've read Matthew and Mark, and and they they got a few things right, but I think I got something really special for you. I got something actually good. That's not what he's saying. He says, it seemed good to me also. So he's putting himself in with the others who have written these biographies of Jesus. So it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past. We could spend a lot of time on each word of this entire thing. Uh, But he says, followed all things closely. Uh, What what he's basically saying is, I have investigated these things um, for some time past. Literally, it says, "From, from the beginning, since the beginning. Uh, in NIV, it says, since the beginning, from, from the start, uh, so that I could write an orderly account for you. And when it says orderly, uh, it doesn't mean sort of in chronological order, because you, as you read the Gospel of Luke, you see it's not necessarily in chronological order. It is broadly in chronological order. Um, it's not necessarily even geographical order, because there are times when uh, things things go slightly differently in that sense, too. But what's clear is that Luke's purpose, we get to that in verse 4, is that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Um, and so that's that's Luke's purpose statement. It's that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. We also look at, uh, I mentioned chapter 19, verse 10 uh, earlier, that we'd touch on that. And that's where we get what most people sort of consider a broad purpose statement for, of course, the life of Jesus, but especially as Luke presents Jesus's life and mission, says the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And Luke had, there are spe- several sort of broad themes that we could sh- mention as far as Luke and his special emphasis. Um, of course, we think we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have four Gospels, which is wonderful. Um to have four different voices who are telling sort of the same story, but with different uh, emphasis, with different style, with, with by developing different themes. Um, what's what's important to know there is that uh, in the ancient world, in the the practice of writing down history, historiography, there was what we would consider a lot more latitude in the way that a story was told. 
it was it was assumed that if someone was writing a story, uh, that they had sort of moral, an ethical, even a political point to be made, and that was considered normal. Um, so that then when they were sitting down to put together their account of the things that happened, they were working toward telling the story a specific way. Often today and sort of in modern times, when we think of history, we think, we think you know, just tell us the facts. Tell us the facts, please. Just, just what happened. Um, but when you think a little more deeply about it, no matter what happens, when we're maybe especially in our age, in the last 10 years, five years or so, everyone knows, you know, it's not just a matter of the facts. Anything can be spun. Anything can be... Um, you know, it depends on what you care about most. Even, even if you think about sort of telling the story of your day, how do you tell the story of your day? Well, to tell a true narrative, a true reconstruction of what your day was like, it would be endlessly boring. Okay. I opened my eyes. I moved my arm to the alarm clock. I turned off my alarm. I swung my left leg, then my right leg out of bed. I, you skip over 99.5% of the details because you say, well, I woke up and I went and I got oatmeal out, but ah, the oatmeal had a worm in it. Ah, you know, and, and you get to the points that actually caused you, you know, to, to form a, a story of what actually happened during your day. And the same thing happens when we think about ancient historiography. Luke had a particular concern to tell us a certain aspect of who Jesus was. And so his gospel is slightly different from Mark, who, who really, we think of Mark having Peter. The apostle Peter has his primary source of information. And so what we hear is sort of filtered through Peter's personality. And, and what we hear of Jesus is this powerful leader um, who taught him what it meant for the Messiah to be, come in weakness and strength. And we think of Matthew, we think of uh, his presentation really of Jesus as a kingly figure. And so people who have studied the four Gospels really um, ha have noted these difference in themes and connected them with the different personalities behind them and the different ways that they show us this, this sort of four-dimensional picture of who Jesus was. And so I'm so thankful that we have these four different stories. Anyhow, so Luke 1, uh, what are we talking about here? Well, there's one other piece of the puzzle that we have, and that is that, of course, Luke also wrote the story of Acts, or the book of Acts, I should say. Um, and in the book of Acts, he actually tells us a little bit about the book of Luke, what, that we call Luke, I should say. He says in Acts 1, verses 1 through 3, it's sort of the equivalent passage in the book of Acts. He says, in the first book, O Theophilus, so there you go, same, same person he's writing for, writing to, um, it's likely that Theophilus, by the way, was the patron of this work, meaning uh, it's likely that this work was written to him, for him, but also for a broader audience, uh, and that he likely funded the work that Luke did. So it's almost certain that this was a multiple-year project for Luke to go around interviewing people. And, of course, we saw in the book of Acts he was traveling uh, around the Mediterranean world, interviewing, talking with people, trying to get all these facts straight. Um, and... How did he live? How did he eat? How did he get housing and all those things that you need? Well, um, he had uh, someone who supported him, and that was Theophilus. So he says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He goes on. So that's his way of describing the book of Luke. He said, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. And so that's, that's his, his story of what happened in Luke. And then what happens in Acts is the rest of what Jesus continued to do and teach through the Spirit and through his leaders, which is a pretty humbling thought to think that uh, we are standing in that 
tradition of all the things. One day we could sort of pretend (laughs) one day there will be a similar story to be told of all that the Lord Jesus is doing now um, at the right hand of the Father, directing us, humble men and women, trying to do our best to make disciples of Jesus. Uh, We're part of that story. So here's a big idea I think we can circle around, um, and that is that we must, through this next season, as we go through the Gospel of Luke, we must resolve to learn not just who Jesus was, but who he is. My encouragement to you as you uh, study and learn from the Gospel of Luke is, is that you resolve not just to learn this book as a book of history about who Jesus was and what he did, but about who he is in the present tense. Jesus is not just a living historical figure or a sort of distant historical figure, but a living person now. And he is eager through the gospel of Luke to reveal himself to us in a fresh way. There is more for you. I don't know who you are listening on the other end of this microphone. There is more for you to learn about Jesus. There is more wonderful stuff about him, about his character, about the things he did. We hope, as as a team of preachers in this season, and with the team of of uh, men and women who are going to be teaching through this guide segment in particular, we hope to unpack for you some of the wonderful treasures that there are to be found in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is endlessly wonderful. Let's not get bored with him. If we're bored with him, it's our fault, not his. And so let's ask the Spirit to do just that. Here's some things I'd recommend for you to do. So we're early on here in the series, obviously. Um, This would be a great time for you to get sort of a lay of the land in the Gospel of Luke. One thing that you might do, and this might sound like a radical step, I don't think it is. I think you should read through Luke. Sit down and in one sitting, I mean, if you can sit down and read the or watch the Lord of the Rings or read a book for an hour or two, I think you can do it. Read through the Gospel of Luke in one sitting. Um, The way I would do this, I'm imagining going down in my sort of home office, sitting in my nice leather chair, Uh, It's nice and cold down there. And um, putting on probably, well, going back to the Lord of the Rings, probably I'd put on like the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. I like listening to movie soundtracks while I read the Bible. They're sort of, they they have dramatic tension built into them and they they sort of tell a story. And I really try to sort of immerse myself in what the Bible's saying. I have a Bible that has no verse numbers and no chapter headings, nothing like that. So it really reads like a novel almost, like a book that you're just kind of picking up and reading the story. So I'd recommend that. Read through the whole Gospel of Luke in one sitting. It'll probably take you two hours, maybe two and a half. If you're a fast reader, it might take you less than that. But take 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 some time and read through Luke. You'll be helped. You'll, you'll be able to sort of situate yourself as we go through the book because you've done that. And secondly, here's my recommendation. You can do this even now. You can pause this and do it now. Ask the Lord to give you fresh spiritual energy to love Jesus more because of the Gospel of Luke. Would you, would you be humble enough to, to say, I have more to learn from the Gospel of Luke, number one, and number two, I need the Lord's help to actually do that. Uh, we, we talk about a whole disciple being a person who has uh, a forgiven child of God who is taking a next step, not a giant leap, but a next step right now to learn Jesus, love Jesus, and live Jesus, thinking of head, heart, and hands. Would you open yourself up to whatever the Lord has for you in the Gospel of Luke, and make that your prayer through this week. And as we approach uh, this coming Sunday, and maybe you're listening to this on Saturday night or maybe even Sunday afternoon, (laughs) 
uh, that you would approach the sermon and as we dive into this, uh, just with a, a, a serious new level of sort of intentionality toward God's word and toward our attempt as a church to help form you uh, through this podcast, through the preaching, through worship, through your group, uh, to grow in this season. It's a good time for us to set plans to become more holy. It's always a good time, but particularly now while we have this new energy, we're setting new habits. Set yourself a new habit of holiness. So now let's move on to our training segment. So if you're a group leader or you just want to grow more, um, this week in particular, I'd say, hey, tune in, stay here. Um, I'm going to share something short, but I hope it's powerful for you as you think about uh, what the, what does the Lord want from me right now? What would a next step of, of growth in Christ look from, like for me in this season? Uh, heading into this fall, my goal, my hope uh, for everyone in my community group, for those in other groups, is that you'd come to your group uh, with a sense of what what the Lord wants to do in you, through you, in this next season. Um, this obviously this is it's a lot easier to do in hindsight than it is to do ahead of time. Um, but I think it's a good discipline for us to really ask and wrestle with the Lord. Uh, where where is there sin in my life that you want to unseat? Where are there particular promises of God, the character of God that we say, you know, I'm I need to grow in my trust in this particular aspect of who you are. Uh, maybe just as we were talking about the Gospel of Luke, where is there a part of Jesus that you you still feel mystified by? Uh, maybe there's a habit that you you sense I need to to grow in this or I need to stop doing this. Um, here, here's why I want to say. So I've, I've been reading this book, Fighting for Holiness, a uh, book written by J.C. Ryle, who is uh, J.C. Ryle lived in the 19th century. Uh, he wrote this particular, it, it actually wasn't a sermon, it was a tract that was written uh, called Argue Fighting. And um, he was an Anglican bishop, a, a minister, a, a pastor in the Church of England. Um which now we think of as being sort of a different kind of institution than it was in his day. But anyway, he, he was writing to encourage Christians to fight for holiness. That's simply that. So he has this great part that I wanted to share with you about um, what it means to have a fight for holiness. So this is what he says. And this, as I read this, I want you to consider, is this me right now? Is, is this describing my spiritual life? Here it goes. Here's what he says. He says, the believer is a soldier. He says, where there is grace, there will be conflict. Necessity is laid upon us. We must fight. There are no promises in the Lord Jesus Christ's epistles to the seven churches except to those who overcome. There is no holiness without a warfare. Saved souls will always be found to have fought a fight. And then he gives these three uh, sort of characteristics of a fight. Here's how you know you're in a fight. Uh, here's what he says. It is a fight of absolute necessity. He says, let us not think that in this war we can remain neutral and sit still. Such a line of action may be possible in the strife of nations, but it is utterly impossible in that conflict that concerns the soul. The boasted policy of non-interference, the masterly inactivity, pleases so many statesmen. The plan of keeping quiet and letting things alone, all this will never do in the Christian warfare. 
So he says, we have no choice or option. We must either fight or be lost. It's a fight of absolute necessity. Second, he says, it is fight of universal necessity. No rank or class or age can plead exemption or escape the battle. Ministers and people, preachers and hearers, old and young, high and low, rich and poor, gentle and simple, kings and subjects, landlords and tenants, learned and unlearned, all alike must carry arms and go to war. All have by nature a heart full of pride, unbelief, sloth, worldliness, and sin. All are living in a world beset with snares, traps, and pitfalls for the soul. All have near them a busy, restless, malicious devil. All from the queen in her palace down to the pauper in the workhouse, all must fight if they would be saved. Is your spiritual life marked by this fight? He says, it is a fight of perpetual necessity. It admits of no breathing time, no armistice, no truce, no ceasefire, so to speak, on weekdays as well as Sundays, in private as well as in home, in public, at home by the family fireside as well as abroad, in little things like management of tongue and temper, as well as in great ones like the government of kingdoms, the Christian's warfare must unceasingly go on. Uh, the foe that we have to do with keeps no holidays, never slumbers, and never sleeps. So long as we have breath in our bodies, we must keep on our armor and remember we are on enemies, on an enemy's ground. So he says, let us consider well these propositions. Let us take care that our own personal religion is real, genuine, and true. And this is, here's the most uh, convicting sentence. The saddest symptom about many so-called Christians is the utter absence of anything like conflict and fight in their Christianity. Uh, and so here's my challenge to you as we step into this new semester. It's a, it's a fresh start. It's new habits, new routines. Um, fight. Uh, there's nothing that maybe alarms me more than when I sit down um, with a Christian uh, and I say, tell me, how are, you do- how are you growing in Christ right now? Where, how can I pray for you? What is going on? And it seems as if all too often when someone answers that question to me, it, it becomes clear to me that that was the first time they had thought about that in some time. Brothers and sisters, if we are going to honor the Lord Jesus, become the church that he longs for us to be, a whole church, forming whole disciples, we must fight. And so I, I would long for a day where I could know, no matter who I ask, you're, if you're in a group, if you are a member of Parkview Church, where is the fight right now? that you would know, not not with 10 minutes careful thought, not with a long look off into the distance making me think, this is the first time you thought about this, but with absolute certainty, here's where it is. Here's how you can pray for me. Here's where I need to grow right now. And even as I say these things, I'm thinking, I need to go first in this. So pray for me. Let's pray for one another. And let's let's head into this semester with sheer confidence in the grace of the Lord Jesus, who will always be with us, always save us. And for, I mean, if you're anything like me, what you need most is for the Lord Jesus to present himself, to reveal himself to you yet again. And that's what we're hoping for. That's what we're praying for through the gospel of Luke. So uh, let's continue to make whole disciples. Let's cultivate an environment of spiritual and relational safety within our groups. And let's trust the Lord Jesus to do just what he promised to do. That's all for this week. Tune in next week and uh, we'll talk some more about the Gospel of Luke.